Well, thank you, Gary and Terry, music team, everyone making worship possible this morning. We continue our series in the Gospel of Mark following Jesus, and this morning we are in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and following with the theme, Let's Get Growing. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake. Well, all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the, seed was, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Where trouble or persecuting comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Well, it's good to have you in worship this morning. I don't know how you feel about spring about now, as we've lasted through January and we're in February, but for me, I have my own sort of first sign of spring. You know what that is? the Daytona 500, which is today, right, later, so you, you won't miss it, but I know it's still cold out there, I know we have some winter left, but for me, sort of the tipping point is the Daytona 500, and when we think about spring, I know the farmers in our midst, and we have lots of gardeners that are great gardeners, we think about planting seed and what that means, and uh, in my own life, I'm not a gardener. In fact, my, my daughter sort of persuaded me some time ago to have a, a little garden in our backyard, and, and we try, I try every year to make it better, but I'm really not a gardener. But growing up, uh, I was, uh, uh, grew up in the country, and my father had a garden, and we did chores every Saturday. And I don't know, a lot of people do chores today, but we were serious about chores. We could not go out and have fun until we did all of our chores. And my least favorite of all the chores was gardening. I mean, I just hated gardening. My father had a garden. I'm going to say it was two or three times the size of the sanctuary. I mean, it was a big garden. And my, we didn't eat all that. My father gave it away. And he wasn't the one who planted or did much of the weeding. He just sort of designed it. And we had to do all that. So, uh, and, and my least favorite vegetable, I just hate to say this because... I like green beans now. At that time, was green beans. I hated green beans. So 
One very, very hot Saturday, my dad had me planting rows and rows and rows of beans. I didn't supervise me, he just gave me all these packages of, of green beans. I guess there was a sale at Walmart. I mean, I don't know what happened, but there was just seemed to be a whole, you know, basket full of these packages of, of green beans. And so I planted and I planted and I planted. And finally, I was just so frustrated because my dad said, you know, you can't go have fun until you plant all the seeds. So uh, I took the last seeds and I ripped open all the bags together. And at the end of one of the rows, I just threw them as far as I could into the weeds. And I thought, done with that. And, uh, and went to my dad. We already had, to, you know, a number of rows planted. My dad said, did you, did you plant all the seeds? I said, absolutely. So he said, great, you can go play. And, and didn't think much about it until a few weeks later, my dad got me at the breakfast table Saturday morning. He said, and my dad was an early riser. And he said, remember those beans that you planted? Did you plant all of them? And I said, oh, oh, yes, I did. He said, well, it's a funny thing because at the end of one of the rows of beans, there's all these beans growing in the weeds. <laughs> And I said, oh, yeah, about that. I didn't forget about the consequences of that. And uh, it's interesting because those bean plants, they didn't really last that long because there were thorns and there were weeds over there. They just lasted long enough to rat me out to my dad, right? So it's interesting. Um, but anyway, I always think about that when I read this parable, which I think speaks to us in so many ways. And the setting is is this. And, and Mark, of course, we said is this action-packed gospel that we looked at prayer last week in the power of quiet, but Mark jumps right into this theme of, of growing and the word of God, and we're always on the way. And the setting is, is this, that Jesus is by the lake, and there's a large crowd, and Jesus gets in a boat to teach. And even to this day, they didn't have amplifiers back then. If, if you are by a lake and you're out on the water, it's sort of a natural amphitheater situation. In fact, many times you can hear what people are saying across the lake on the water. They don't realize that. But you can hear them almost whisper. But it, particularly in a hillside, as Jesus sat in the boat, it was amplified up there to the crowds. And so Jesus begins to teach this story about the, the parable of the seeds. And it's interesting, after he's done with the parable of teaching, the disciples are in a bit of a quandary of what exactly that it, it means. And so privately, not just the, the 12, but also a number of other close disciples, men and women both, are with Jesus. And they ask him to explain this parable of the, the sower and the soils. And, and the setting is this uh, for the, the um, parable is that back then they didn't have GPS and combines and all the things that we enjoy today. What they would do is to walk along the path, it's called broadcast sowing. So the, the farmer would have a basket full of seeds and they would take them out literally as they walked along the path and they would spread them back and forth and walk. And hopefully, you know, the, the seed would, would sprout and grow. And so this is the, the parable, and as Jesus begins to walk through this, and a lot of times you'll note, you might have it up there, the parable of the sower and the seed. Is that what you, you might have that in the Bible. Now, those headings are not part of the, of the Bible. They're just put in there for help. But really, it's not really the parable of the sower and the seed so much as it's the parable of the soils, the soils. Because the seed is exactly the same, right? The seed is the word of God, the good news of Christ that is shared with others. The difference in each of the scenarios is the soil. And so the question about that is, you know, what does the soil mean? And I believe the soil really is a picture of our hearts, what is your heart like this morning? And I invite you to think about this. Now, the first, recall, is that as the, the sower, the farmer, walks along 
the pathway, some of the seed falls on the pathway, which would have been a stone pathway down through the garden, right? And they didn't have this kind of combine situation. And, and so the seed falls on that hard stone path. And of course, what happens? I mean, the, the birds come, snatch it away. And Jesus says, you know, that's a picture for some people. So what is that like? I think that's like being hard-hearted, hard-hearted, like the, the stone, the rock, pavement kind of a situation. And for all of us, I wonder, in all of our lives, sometimes there's things that make us hard. What has hardened you in life, maybe? I mean, for a lot of people, it's going through a season of grief, losing a loved one. For other people, it might be facing the trials of an, of an illness. For other people, it's, I mean, it's heartbreak, disappointment, betrayal. I mean, you, you name it, right? We've all had some things in our life that can harden our life. And that's natural in some sense. But at what level of hardness are you, maybe? Okay? What is the level of hardness in your life? And then, so that's the hard-hearted people. And then there's sort of the half-hearted people, okay? So Jesus talks about this uh, soil, this seed being scattered on the soil that's just a thin veneer of soil, right? And says that, well, the, the seed sprouts and grows up a little ways, but then it's just scorched by the sun because it doesn't have deep roots. It doesn't have deep roots. And I wonder in our own lives, we think about that as someone who's basically sort of half-hearted with life, that the, you know, the anxieties and the challenges and the persecution that we go through scorches the seed because we don't have deep roots. That really is true in life, right? I mean, we are all going to face challenge and adversity in life, unfortunately, right? We enjoy the seasons that are just wonderful and everything is going well, but through all of our life, somewhere along the way, we're going to face some pretty severe challenge and adversity, maybe even persecution. I mean, that's possible, isn't it? It's different kinds of persecution today. The culture doesn't really support a deep life of faith. But the question is, where are you in terms of facing the challenge and difficulty of life? If we have soil that is deep and rich and our roots can go down into the soil, then when we have a storm in life, when we have a challenge and adversity, a difficulty, then we're going to persevere through that, right? And I think that's so very, very important. And then the third kind of challenge there is what? The faint-hearted. Jesus talks about the seed that goes out into the thorny ground there with thorns, and it, it springs up, and it seems to be doing well for a while, but they didn't have the herbicides we have today. And so there's thorns that come around those plants and they begin to choke it out. So Jesus says that, you know, that might be the cares of the world. Uh, it might be the distractions of the world. We live in a, in a world, a culture that is like ADHD. We're all distracted, right? We got phones going, all kinds of things going on. But what are the cares of the world that would strangle out faith and attention to faith being choked off? And that's the faint-hearted in life. Where are you with the priority of faith and nurturing faith in, in your life today? And here's the thing I think about all of this is that you don't have to be the soil that maybe that you are now, right? There's some people say, well, you're sort of predestined to be this way. You're predestined to be hard stone path. Uh, you're predestined to be sort of shallow, rocky soil, you're predestined to be sort of caught in the thorns. There might be seasons where each of those is, is our life. But 
We could be like the fourth kind of soil that Jesus points out, which is the soil that is wholehearted, right? That is rich and nurtured. And what, what is it about soil that's wholehearted? It's, it's broken up, isn't it? It's broken up. It's been broken up. Maybe it's been broken up by some of those challenges and adversity and rocks that have been, you know, plowed up and, and nurtured and watered in life. So where are you with breaking up the soil of your life so that you can receive the word and not just receive it, but to continue to grow in it? Mark's gospel is all about growing along the way of life. Are you breaking up the soil? Are you, and I love this, 30, 60, 100 fold. Every farmer will tell you, I mean, that's the kind of multiplication that you want. 30, 60, 100 fold growth in life. Look back at your life, maybe five, 10 years. Where are you on your journey of faith? I hope you can say, well, along this journey of faith, I've, I've grown. I have faced challenge and adversity. I have moments where I've seen Rocky, but I, I broke it up. I have times when the thorns and cares of this world have sort of tried to choke out my faith, but I learned to clear them back so the soil and the sunshine and everything can, can make it grow in a powerful way. Now, I love what it says here in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, that Gary read, that Paul writes, and you'll notice that it isn't just receiving the word and Paul's imagery too, it's growing. So Paul writes this, you therefore have received Christ Jesus, that moment, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This idea that you continue to grow in faith and life, growing and growing. Now, Jesus goes on with this parable and he attaches a, a few more that go with this theme. One is the, you know, let your light shine. But I think even more important, we wanna let our light shine and, and to share our faith with others because it isn't just the fact that we ourselves are soils, but we are also the sower. We can share the good news that we received. So it's a sort of a two level parable. We're both the soil and we can also be the sower that's out there sharing the good news of God's grace. But Jesus, uh, Jesus goes on with two other parables here that are interesting about growth. And one is a parable that's only in the Gospel of Mark. It's a very interesting parable, and it's called the seed growing secretly. And so the farmer goes out and sows the seed, it's very short, and then the farmer goes home and goes to bed and rises and goes to sleep and rises and goes to sleep, and the seed is under the soil and the seed is growing. And then the farmer goes out and sees the seed. It's called the seed growing secretly. The idea that sometimes when you plant a seed, you don't always see what's happening, but God is working beneath the surface, both in our life and as we share God's word, you don't always see what's happening. And then the other one you know very well, which is the parable of the mustard seed, about the mustard seed being planted, which is the smallest of seeds, and it grows into the largest of plants in the garden, even the birds rest in it, which shows us the power of just a small seed in life. Now, I think, again, I said two levels, really, because we're both the soil where the seed is planted, and we're also those that share the seed in our life. And we think about the ways that maybe we can grow and nurture the soil, but also how are we about sharing God's word with others? Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Wednesday is the beginning of Lent. And when we think about Lent, we think about growth, nurturing. Many times we try to clear back what? Some of the things that distract us. We always think about what? Chocolate, <laughs> coffee. Oh God, not that. <laughs> Can't live that. What are the things that choke out faith? What are the things that make our soil richer so that God can 
continue to work in our faith and life in, in amazing kinds of ways. And what are you doing that, that can make a difference? Uh, there's a story, a true story that I love. One of my favorite writers is Dostoevsky, the Russian uh, writer uh, back in the 19th century, right in the early 20th century. And he was a avowed atheist. This is part of this revolutionary group that was uh, looked set on overthrowing the government. And uh, at one point, uh, that whole group called the Petrushevsky group was lined up and put in front of a firing squad. They were blindfolded and the count was given. And right at the last minute, there was a reprieve. He was not shot by the firing squad, but they were sentenced to prison uh, into the salt mines of Siberia. And so he's just a young man describes later how he's going into prison, and there were some ladies, some ladies group, they were handing out little Gospels of John to all the prisoners going in there, so that's all he had to read. So he took it, avowed atheist, but he read the Gospel of John, and he tells how his life was dramatically changed through reading the Gospel of John over the course of time. Later came out of prison, became a Christian in prison, became one of the greatest writers in all of history of any language, any culture, uh, some of the most profound literature that's ever been written. And uh, the brothers Karamazov and Crime and Punishment, some of those you haven't read, you should, but there's always this grain of, of faith. And even later in life, as he was lying in his deathbed, and they didn't think he was dying, but he did, he said to his wife, bring me bring me the gospel. And it was that gospel of John. And he said, read to me. His life had gone through so many different chapters. How would those ladies know, handing him up, little gospel of John walking to prison, that this would be one of the greatest writers of all time. And it would last through his whole life. His life would deepen in faith. You don't know the little things that you do in life that touch people's lives in all profound and lasting ways. I want to close with this story of my own life. And uh, in high school, boy, that's been back a ways. Uh, I had in electronics class, I had a lab partner signed by the name of Pat. And Pat was, uh, was, a, was a great guy. And he was uh, smart as can be. He was a great lab partner. And um, but there was one thing about Pat, which was that he had a side hustle. <laughs> and his side hustle was that he had this Volkswagen Beetle back in the day. And it was kind of, you, know, you could take these things apart. But he would load up his Volkswagen Beetle with good, high-quality American switchblades. And he would drive them down to Mexico. And he would exchange the switchblades for uh, marijuana and then drive the Beetle back across the border and uh, come and sell that at school. And, um, and he was fluent in Spanish. He was, was a star Spanish student, so used that in a rather unconstructive way. And, and Pat also used what he sold. So, you know, when he came, he had this long army trench coat, and man, I just smelled like the burning leaves all over the place. So, uh, but he was a good lab partner. But I began to share my faith with Pat. He was kind of a, you know, he's um, a really smart guy, but a lot of questions. And so I invited Pat to church. And, and Pat finally said, well, if you pick me up, I'll go to church with you, right? So I began to drive to Pat's house early Sunday morning, take him to church and Sunday school. And, and uh, if I didn't pick him up, he didn't come. Now, Pat had a, had a vehicle because he could drive all the way to Mexico, but he couldn't make it to church unless I brought him. Do you know people like that? 
so that's what I did. I picked up Pat, and, and he came to church, and he enjoyed Sunday school. We had a great Sunday school teacher, a farmer by the name of Junior Scott. He'd share these stories, but always had this little life lesson there. And, and that was for like two years, and then I went off to college. He went off to college and never really thought that much about it because there really wasn't a change that I ever saw in Pat's life, other than he'd ask some questions or what have you. So it was more than two years after the last time I saw Pat when I was home on spring break and I get this phone call. And it's Pat. He said, you want to meet at McDonald's? He said, sure, let's, you know, meet at McDonald's. He said, I want to catch up. So I go to McDonald's. I stand in line and, and there's Pat and we're waiting to order. And, and Pat turns around to me and says, I just want you to know that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Now, at first, I thought he was making fun of me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was just like out of the blue, like, you know. And, uh, and I kind of went like, <laughs> he said, no, I want you to know that, that my life has changed. And I had, you know, this moment of faith, and it's completely changed. And he began to, so I asked him what happened. And he said how that we had a friend um, that we both knew we were close to that got cancer and really severe. He was in the hospital. He was dying. Pat went to see him. And he had the kind of faith in a dying moments of life where even the nurses in the hallway just were talking about would go and see him, and he just rated with his, with his faith. And it had been a life-changing experience. It happened when he had cancer, and, and he talked to Pat. And really, what he said just moved Pat's life, and then he passed away. And Pat said, I couldn't shake that. And then all the things that I heard you say, the Sunday school teachers say, the pastors say, began to take root and my life changed, and he said I started going to a church. It was a different one than I'd gone to. It was near his house out in the country, a little country church, he said, and then I began teaching Sunday school, he said, and then um, I began taking classes and uh, in Bible, and I said, now I'm doing missionary work in a Spanish-speaking country. <laughs> he went to Mexico, some other Spanish-speaking countries, and he said, I'm, I plan on being a missionary, and it was like, wow, seriously, and I, and I share that because from the surface, it was like nothing was happening. It was like that was the stony pathway. That was the, that was the hard-hearted, or that was the, the thorny uh, ground, right, being choked off, or, you know, the shallow soil. Nothing was happening. But God, through God's grace, man, God broke up the stony ground. God made the stones into rich soil because Rich soil is nothing but stone broken up. God cleared aside the thorns, and underneath that, the seed was growing and flourished, and for sure, 30, 60, 100-fold lives were changed. And God even used his wayward thing in Mexico because he was fluent with Spanish to become a missionary to Spanish-speaking people and cultures. Today, I don't know where you are. With you is your heart. Are you the hard-hearted, stony, rocky path? Are you the half-hearted, kind of rocky, stony soil? Are you the faint-hearted soil where you're, the seed is choked out by the cares of the world? We all face things that harden our life. We all face moments where uh, the, the challenge and adversities of life seem greater than the depth of our soil. And then we all have temptations tempted in the swirling culture that we live in to be distracted or to have our faith choked off by the cares of the world or anxieties or the things that happen. 
But God can take all of our lives, each of us, and God can take that soil and make it rich. And that which had kept the soil, the seed from breaking down, God can break it up. God can make it into deep, rich soil. God can clear aside those thorns and make great things happen. So I challenge all of us today and in the season of Lent, as we look forward to spring, to let's get growing. I don't care what age you are, what stage you are in life, God wants us to keep growing in faith because there's greater things ahead. And whatever your past was and whatever the present is, God can change it like that. Something that radically changes your heart and the soil and all the things that happen up to this moment can begin to come together so you can grow. And not only you personally, but you can begin to share the good news like a sower and amazing things can happen even to moments you thought were completely insignificant because the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts and lives. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, as we look at this great parable of Jesus, this great moment of teaching in his ministry, Lord, help us to hear these words of Jesus and to allow our hearts to become broken and fertile soil to grow our seed of faith, and not just to grow our seed of faith, but as we nurture and grow along the way to bear fruit that becomes seed to others so others may hear your good news of your love and grace and grow in faith with you. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.